other side of midnight with Frank Morano. All right. We have seen no shortage of politicians behaving badly. In the Northeast, two of the ones that we've heard a great deal about over the last year especially have been Congressman George Santos from New York and uh, Senator Bob Menendez, who's now under criminal indictment and who's planning to run for re-election next year. I thought in the case of especially Santos, who clearly sold himself to the voters as someone that he was not, wouldn't it be a great thing if we had the ability to recall this guy and collect petitions and have folks vote on whether he should be recalled the same way that they did with uh, Gray Davis in California when Arnold Schwarzenegger ultimately became governor. Now, in spite of what the different state laws are, which we're going to get to in a minute, no state can pass a law that allows you to recall your congressman because that's a federal office and there are very specific ramifications and specifications about who can sit in the House and in the U.S. Senate. In my view, there should be. Uh, I, I don't think we're likely to see a constitutional amendment along those lines anytime soon. But it also caught my attention because in the recent election, there were a couple anyway of pretty interesting recall elections. And it got me thinking, what is recall? How did we get it? How was it used? What's the story? And I found the greatest recall expert in America, Joshua Spivak. He is a senior fellow at the Hugh L. Carey Institute at Wagner College, which I think I'm actually on the advisory board uh, of, by the way, but I haven't done much advising in all candor. The, he's also the author of Recall Elections from Alexander Hamilton to Gavin Newsom. He also has a terrific blog on this subject. It's the Recall Elections blog. Joshua, thanks so much for joining me on the radio. Thanks for having me on. Uh, Joshua, give us the uh, Reader's Digest version of the history of recalls in America. Where'd they come from? How long have they been around? So, in some ways, you could trace it back all the way to the Massachusetts Bay Colony in 1631, um, and perhaps earlier for Native American tribes, even. But uh, the recall existed Barely in the constitutional era, in the uh, colonial era, in it was in the Articles of Confederation government where they could remove the state government appointed a uh, an official to serve in the Articles of Confederation government, and the state government could remove them, which is a form of recall. They never did. Uh, in the Constitutional Convention. Recalls were discussed, were voted on. It was actually in the Virginia plan, which is effectively the original draft of the Constitution. And it would have affected the first House of Congress, which is the House of Representatives. Mm. Uh, at that time, they voted it down. It didn't come back until the end of the convention when they were discussing it for senators. And Alexander Hamilton was very passionately opposed to this. This was one of the things that the anti-federalists, the opponents of the Constitution, were touting, that there was no recall for senators. And at that time, senators were appointed by the state legislature. So uh, it was a slightly different procedure, you know, somewhat different, but at the same time, it was a recall of that official. Uh, 
in the end, they decided not to do that. And there was some discussion and a few years afterwards, and then it dies. The subject kind of completely goes off the table until the progressive era. And uh, this is not the modern version of progressive era. Right. It's the other progressives, uh, Teddy Roosevelt is the most famous person uh, aligned with that movement. Um, and it, it's also somewhat of a mystery. I've found uh, somebody found a charter for San Diego that said it was in 1889, though all contemporary sources say it really came back in 1903 in Los Angeles. Uh, and then 1908 statewide in Oregon and 1911, most famously in California. And then a number of states adopted it, mainly in the West and Midwest. Uh, the Eastern states did not have it and still have it somewhat less, significantly less than the Western states. So really the, um, the turn of the 20th century is when it started getting some uh, traction in the United States. That's not that long in the grand scheme of things. Right, right. So for the 18th century, for the 19th century, it's just not there. Um, it is an international phenomenon. Most people think it's just America. I guess that's how we think of things in America. But in the in this century, three presidents, including uh, Mexico's president in 2022, faced a recall vote. None of them were removed, but mm. still, it's it's kind of interesting that they have this power. Uh, what's quite interesting about recalls is that they are, uh, there's a lot of variety in the use. There's a lot of variety in how they work. Um, so there, there is that some of them have what we call uh, are a political recall, which is what most people think of as a recall, where you could kick somebody out for any reason whatsoever. But in some states, they have a malfeasance standard where you have to meet a statutorily delineated reason for that recall. And that's they have many fewer recalls, unsurprisingly. Uh, and I guess the biggest thing and perhaps the biggest surprise to people is that generally recalls are not about partisan issues. They are policy based. They are for somebody, a school board fight, for somebody raising taxes, for somebody firing a city police chief. That's the, the, Interesting. Uh, the bread and butter of recalls are those. On the state level, and there haven't been that many recalls on the state level, they are much more partisan. But on the local level, where 99% of recalls take place, they are not generally a partisan issue. Yeah, I remember recently in San Francisco, you had the school board members recalled and also the DA recalled. And uh, I don't know that there's much of a Republican Party in San Francisco. So uh, obviously it was not as if the Republicans conned all the San Franciscans into all of a sudden uh, becoming members of the uh, John Birch Society. So uh, it's interesting the point that you make about local issues. I haven't read your book yet. I hope to pick it up one of these days. But your book is called Recall Elections from Alexander to Ham Hamilton to Gavin Newsom. Obviously, there's uh, been a whole revitalization of interest in Hamilton because of the musical. What does Alexander Hamilton have to do with recalls, if anything? So Alexander Hamilton spent days in the New York ratification debate arguing against a recall against you, you, uh, for U.S. senators. So it was a real serious discussion. I mean, I, it seems like I threw Alexander Hamilton in there by act, you know, just for for uh, for show. But no, he really was very involved. And you see, there's a lot of discussion. He he was 
he had some really good comments. He said, you know, the recall shouldn't be used uh, for the capricious humors. They don't want elected officials to face the capricious humors of the voters. That's that's what he didn't want. Well, and that's, uh, I think, one of the big arguments against recall uh, today, which I'm going to ask you about. But just so folks know where you're, com- you're coming from on this, and uh, if people are just tuning in, we're talking with Joshua Spivak. He runs the Recall Elections blog, a tremendous resource, which you should check out. Do you like recalls? Do you come at covering these recalls from the point of view that someone that thinks this is an important element of government? Or would you prefer that politicians got elected to a term, served their term, and that's it? Uh, over time, I guess I've come a bit more in favor of them than I was. Uh, I'm still um, – I try to maintain a neutrality here. I try to, to really look at it from a, a general point of view. I think the – the question with recalls is this. Uh, the, the, the basic question is, what is an elected official supposed to be? Is an elected official supposed to be a trustee, somebody that you appoint and you're, you're, you want that person in power because of their wisdom, because of their greater insight, even if you disagree with them on what they're doing? Or is an elected official a representative, a delegate who will vote for your positions and support you and support exactly the points you want them to support as an advocate. And I think over time, our, our entire government, our entire, like everybody's government has moved to that representative, that advocate model. That's really what we want. We're electing the person for that role. And so when that person switches, so to me, the best reason for recall, and this has happened a couple of times, is when somebody would switch parties in, in a legislature. You know, that is kind of a first order betrayal. Right. I voted for a Republican and now you're a Democrat. Right. I voted, you know, that really is something that maybe the person should be held accountable mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. or at well, least have a new vote. Yeah. So, and I remember, you know, I always gave a lot of credit to people that when they made the decision to switch parties, they resigned and then stood for election again under those under that new party. But that has certainly been the uh, exception in uh, in my lifetime anyway. Right. Um, one of the arguments against recall is that people need a full term to see how those decisions are going to be made out. I remember in, um, I think it was 2002, one of the first things that Mike Bloomberg did as mayor of New York City was he pushed through the highest property tax increase in history. And there was not a more unpopular person in New York City than Mike Bloomberg at that time. If uh, New York, forgetting about recalling him, they would have arrested Mike Bloomberg if they could have. Then... Uh, Bloomberg said, look, you're going to see the wisdom that we had to do this. And sure enough, his view was make the unpopular decisions early in your term. This way you have three and a half years to kind of recover from that. And sure enough, in 2005, I guarantee you they would have recalled uh, Bloomberg two years prior. But he went on to win a reelection by an, an enormous margin. What about that idea, Joshua, that you need the fullness of a term to see how these decisions are going to uh, make out, kind of like what you were referring to what Hamilton said, so that the humors of the voter don't necessarily dictate the day-to-day actions of their representatives. Yeah, I think that's a very legitimate point, and I think it's very legitimate to hold that view. And it's really, there's no good answer. It's what should be the way to, to to be in office. And how long should somebody be in office? 
right? So even that is very random. And if you look at the Constitutional Convention, you see they weren't sure. They went for different times. You have a president, you have a Congress for two years, you have a president for four, you have a senator for six. Nobody said, oh, you should serve. Like nobody came down from the mountain with a tablet that said your city councilman member must serve for four years. Right. There's no, no magic more, number. Right. Right. And, and in fact, we've changed it. And so one of the things that was involved with the recall was this discussion of giving officials more time, but giving the voters this pullback. And you see this when Rhode Island adopted it in 1992. They gave the governor and other statewide officials four years. They moved the term from two years to four years, but then gave voters the recall power. So that can happen. And it it really is uncertain. Um, I guess one of the big things to think about with recall, and, and it's a little odd to say this, it's not that powerful and it's not that successful. I mean, it's very successful in terms of removing officials. If you get on the ballot, there's an excellent chance you're getting kicked out. And just so, go ahead. Yeah. Uh, uh, so, you know, they, like 60 percent, I'd say nationwide get kicked out and another 6 percent resign. So, really? you know, two thirds of officials, if it gets to the ballot, but getting to the ballot is very hard. That's where it fails. Most of the time it fails on that stage. If you don't know an exact number, I'll take a ballpark. How many states have some sort of recall process? Okay, so 20 states have a recall for state-level officials of some of some form, though Illinois just has the, um, the governor, and uh, Virginia has a very weird procedure called uh, recall trials, and it's not clear who's affected. Um, 11 of those states have a political recall. Eight states have a malfeasance standard where you have to meet a statutorily delineated reason for it, so something like a crime. Additionally, and it's not clear, about another 20 states, so 40 or 41 states have recalled, allow recalls on some form on the local level. Hmm. So most states have some form of a recall law. One of the states that doesn't is New York. Yeah, I've noticed. (laughs) New York has talked about it. Another state, interestingly, is Indiana. And there was uh, the show Parks and Rec had a recall of the official who lives in Indiana, one of the few states that don't have a recall. Oh, interesting. My wife's a fan of that show. I'm going to have to tell her that and she'll uh, have to watch that episode with with new eyes. And um, I saw you had on your blog recent results from a, a, a sheriff recall election. How routinely do recall elections occur in this country? Is this something that occurs every year? Are there a dozen every year? Is there one every two years? Ballpark. How often do these recalls happen? Oh, we have like 100 a year. It depends, but about 100. During COVID, it went down, but there were many more attempts. Um, But somewhere 100, 110, I've counted 168 in a year, though there were also resignations to include in there. Um, So there's there's a lot more attempts than that. But yeah, generally, there's a, a fair number. And it's, you know, city council members, it's school board members, it's the people who run park services, not not the officials who are appointed, but like, uh, you know, they'll, they'll have boards. Uh, so that that's where it is. It's it's on the local level. But voters are annoyed. 
voters voters like to use this power. Oh, no, I, I, I don't blame them. Uh, one of the things, you know, Larry Elder was on the show earlier in the week, and one of the things that I took note of when he was running in the recall election in California is that, and I'm sure I took notice of it 20 years ago when Arnold Schwarzenegger was running in the recall election, is that in California, the politician that's being recalled, in both of those cases it was the governor, they are then not able to appear in the recall election. And if Elder, if um, they had voted to recall Newsom and then Elder won with a plurality of the vote, it, it created kind of a weird situation where you could actually have had more voters say they didn't want to recall Gavin Newsom. And yet uh, Larry Elder, even though he got fewer votes than essentially Newsom would have gotten had he been on the ballot, would have been elected. I'm wondering, that kind of quirk in California law, how common is that, Joshua? It is somewhat common. Um, so there's, there's a no, there, as I said, there's a lot of different laws. Uh, in some states, you are allowed to run in the replacement race. And some places, they've actually won the replacement race. So the official was, this happened in Massachusetts a couple <laughs> of years ago. Uh, and then the, the mayor eventually went to jail afterwards. Um, he, he ran, he got wiped out in the recall, but five people ran in the replacement race and he replaced himself. Um, most places, some places, so Wisconsin had a, a big recall. They had just a, a a regular race afterwards. There was actually primaries and stuff, but the recall, there was no vote yes or no. It was just, okay, it's the, the seat is empty and you're running to replace your, in the new election. Uh, England has this. England adopted a recall in 2015, and that's their recall. The seat, the the position is empty. You could run to replay to in the new election. So it's just like a new election. Most places, though, have no replacement race. Um, they'll just have a automatic replacement model where there's a, a law that says how it how the replacement is supposed to go, and very frequently it's by appointment. So that could be a little tricky. Uh, So let's say you recall somebody in a city council, maybe that city council appoints the replacement. Um, You know, not, 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 not what happens in New York, but in some of these smaller towns, that's the case. So what happens when they recall four members of the city council and Mm -hmm. there's no quorum, that could be trouble. Uh, But that happens. um, Very quickly, Joshua, if I wanted to recall Bob Menendez or uh, George Santos, I'd need a new amendment to the Constitution, right? Possibly. So, well, in some states, they do have a provision that says federal law should that federal officials should face recalls. Now, the, the Supreme Court has never ruled on it, but. I would assume they would rule against it based on the term limits decision. If you look at the term limits decision and you look at the dissent by Clarence Thomas, you see he specifically says recalls shouldn't be allowed. So even though he's saying, yes, you could put provisions like term limits, he also says not recalls. So I would assume that's what would happen. Now, New Jersey is a state that has this law, but the Supreme Court there held in a previous attempt to recall Menendez. So this isn't the first time he's faced voter anger. Uh, they said they could not recall him. He was not eligible. It's not clear what would have happened if they said yes. Mm, interesting. Would the Supreme Court have ruled differently. <laughs> um, but 
I think you would need a uh, constitutional amendment. Um, and it would be interesting because would they resign? That happens very frequently. Somebody's facing a recall and they're like, okay, you got the signatures. I'm just getting out and then facing this. All right, Josh, we're going to have to end it there. I love the conversation. I hope you can uh, come back soon and we can talk about some other issues as well. I uh, had on my list for you presidential succession, but we're going to have to save that for another day. Okay, great. Yes. I'd love to be on again. Thank you. Joshua Spivak. You can check out his Recall Elections blog. You want to comment on any portion of our conversation, you're welcome to give me a call. 800-848-9222. 800-848-9222. This is The Other Side of Midnight. Straight ahead.